This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're turning our attention to a bill that made its way through the legislature this spring, which is designed to ensure that companies contracting with the state are not directly or indirectly contributing to tropical deforestation or forest degradation. For more on the issue, including what New York's contracting has to do with tropical deforestation, we're joined in the studio by Vanessa Fagens-Turner, Executive Director of Environmental Advocates NY. Welcome to the show, Vanessa, and congrats on the new job. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here, Dave. It's our pleasure to have you. And also with us is Curtis Fisher, Northeast Regional Executive Director of the National Wildlife Federation. Thanks for joining us, Curtis. Thanks so much for having us. So for starters, what forests are you hoping to protect with this bill? Because I have to admit that the title's reference to tropical deforestation led me to believe we're talking about trees that are potentially far, far away from New York. You know what? That is the case. And yet the whole point of this bill is how connected we are with places and forests that are very far away. Tropical forests cultivate many of the different kinds of raw materials that make their way into the foods we eat and the products we buy, even here in New York. This bill looks at what New York State as an entity buys and tries to make sure that nothing that it is purchasing is contributing to deforestation somewhere down the supply chain far, far away. And what exactly constitutes deforestation? If we're just, say, we're chopping down one tree, does that mean deforestation? Or do we need to be, like, making something out of, like, a Dr. Seuss book? Well, I won't go into the really wonky answers about this. But let's suffice it to say we're talking about what we call illegal deforestation, which is defined by countries as deforestation, cutting down of trees that is not permitted, not allowed by that government. Say in Brazil and in the Amazon rainforest, there are many types of businesses and individuals who go into protected territories, cut down trees, sell that timber, And that is not allowed, but they are still able to create uh, revenue from doing that on the black market. That is the kind of behavior that this bill tries to disincentivize. So are we just talking about practices that the countries that have oversight here are prohibiting? Or does New York go further and define deforestation in its own way in any shape or form? New York is a leader in this country on climate action and climate planning. Deforestation, legal or illegal, contributes to 10% or more of all carbon emissions in the world that drives climate change. By implementing this bill, New York State is trying to act in principle and in keeping with its climate mission by preventing the purchase of anything that is contributing to climate change in this case, by cutting down trees. New York State defines it the same way that states like California have defined deforestation in a bill that may be reintroduced this year, and the same way that the federal government has defined deforestation in a bill that has not yet made it to the floor. What type of procurement procedures would be covered by this legislation? Is it simply anything that might be connected to tropical forests? Clear cutting is something that we've seen, you know, pictures of that happens in the United States. We've seen forests, um, obviously, in the Amazon and across the globe destroyed uh, by bad practice. That is the focus of this legislation is trying to stop 
deforestation. And ultimately, there is a very technical definition of degradation, but also getting at the point that a lot of land in the tropics have been taken over and converted for cattle raising and other products, including palm oil that is in so much of consumer products. And so the legislation has a very important definition of deforestation that California, European Union, and other entities have all agreed to to define deforestation. And specifically, when it comes to commodities that you mentioned, like what this legislation does is says, look, let's look at the high-risk commodities. It's not every commodity. And that would be palm oil, soy, and other products that is coming out of the tropics as a result of deforestation. And it's really important because the palm plantations are well known. Um, that's not a productive ecosystem um, in the tropics. And it's not you know, providing the carbon sink that we know we need to stop climate change so that we can protect New Yorkers. And under this bill, who has the responsibility of ensuring that deforestation or forest degradation is not occurring? That's the great part of this bill is because it puts the burden on contractors who want to do business with the state uh, and specifically says that they need to do due diligence. And that's an important word. That word is being now used by the European Union a major place where New York businesses do business and send our exports um, to the European Union. So contractors, big companies um, that do business in this area, many of them are ahead at looking at their supply chains. And the state agency that oversees procurement is the Office of General Services. So they would basically issue overarching guidelines um, to make sure that companies are aware of and they have, we have plenty of time for a transition to occur so that companies can get ready. But many companies are already there. This would just definitely make sure that some of the laggards are coming in and doing what we know, know they need to do and then also stopping bad actors. When you're looking at a supply chain, you can only really look at it one level above where you're coming from. So this does mean that everybody in a supply chain has responsibility to check on where they get the goods and make sure that contractor or individual has done the work they need to do to make sure that what they're sourcing is ethical. When we say the burden is on the contractor, this isn't and shouldn't have to be a burden. Many entities already in business with the state or elsewhere aren't doing things that are necessarily bad and certainly not knowingly. But there are a lot of ways in which non-transparency, which is the default in our supply chains, obscures and hides bad behaviors at the point of origin or shortly after in our supply chains. This is trying to wake people up to think about and have an incentive to look at where their goods originated, where they started. We have gardens to try and teach our families and children about where food comes from. Right now, this procurement law is a really wonky way of trying to remind us where the palm oil in our soap in the shower comes from or where something in a hamburger we eat is coming from. Nobody is selling us these goods in order to do something really bad. They're trying to make a living or they're trying to um, make sure that they deliver good products. 
but the behaviors are not in line with climate change and we can't afford to cut down more forest. This is something that everybody has to be thinking about in order to reach our collective climate goals and um, preserve very endangered tropical forests. So assuming this legislation, if it becomes law, requires some contractors and subcontractors to change the way they do business, how much more should New York taxpayers plan on spending for procurement, at least in the short term? I would point out that the burden here is on state contractors, right? So there's a lot of products coming into this um, state, and, and obviously consumers are buying them. This bill has no impact on consumers. We're talking about state contracts. And then this, the part of cost is that um, actually one of the supporters of this bill, Tony's Truccoloni, which is based in uh, New York, um, which has a great chocolate bar uh, for those uh, interested, um, you know, they have described how their processes in the supply chain literally uh, is rounding errors um, to build the kind of transparent supply chain um, systems um, that they've created. Now, not every company is Tony's Chocoloni, but big companies are also, like I mentioned, who the European Union is such a large um, economy uh, worldwide that they've already taken the steps necessary to be able to sell in the European Union. The European Union's provisions associated with deforestation and requiring due diligence actually applies to all imports into the European Union. Our legislation only specifically focuses on state contracts um, as a first step. The European Union is far ahead of us, but it's also instructive of where the future lies in the reality that we have to tackle climate change. We need to do all the wonderful things, including the governor has supported funding for renewable energy, um, making sure that consumers are protected. Here, we have to address the source of the problem that is putting communities at risk. And the best way to do that is to put the responsibility on the companies that are working directly with those communities. Um, and I'd also mention, you know, this bill is supported by some of the most important indigenous people organizations in Indonesia and across uh, the globe, because unfortunately, the loss of that land uh, had a serious uh, impact in, uh, on them. And so we're really excited to have this. So that's all great. Let's come back to the original question, though, which is there's an assumption that people are doing these business practices that you want stopped because they are cheaper than alternative actions that they were going to have to take as a result of this bill if it becomes law. So what are the short-term costs to the state? So we have yet to identify what that will be. Is that prudent then? Should we be passing bills where we don't know what yes. the cost is in the short term? Yes. And I'll tell you why, It says Dave. undetermined in the bill memo. That's right. But here is how everybody, not just me, should be looking at this. We have seen unprecedented extreme weather, flooding, heat waves here in New York State. The flooding alone has cost the state and taxpayers billions of dollars that are still yet to be determined in repairs, in payouts, etc. That has an impact on the economy. Incremental changes that incentivize the private sector through market mechanisms to be better about the climate, to reduce the long-term likelihood of multi-billion dollar events that are then passed on as costs 
to taxpayers are inherently worth it. You're asking about the short-term cost to consumers and taxpayers. We don't know that yet. The idea should be that companies, if they are raising their prices for the state or other consumers, they are doing business poorly because they are not accounting for the risk to their business of doing business with illegal operations, which could shut their business down at any time were that law to be enforced, meaning they're getting cheaper prices through bad behaviors at higher risk. Going with companies that are being socially and environmentally responsible is not only the way of doing good business, it is the way of lowering risk to all involved. That can come at a premium now. And in the short term, perhaps, this may not have any effect on consumers and taxpayers, and that's what we hope. Uh, it's unlikely to. But we also know that, and have to think about this in the frame of why are we doing this bill? Because the alternatives are awful and contribute to much higher costs. When you think about the taxpayer, what are our large both revenue and obviously expenses? And it's critical for economic growth to obviously support and to maintain a stable rate base, uh, stable tax economy and revenue to the state. I, I mentioned before that the European Union has these requirements in place. One quarter of New York's exports go to the European Union. That's $20 billion of exports. What we're saying is, is that for New York to be competitive and for our state to maintain its leadership in terms of the economy, we need to make the transformation to looking at our supply chain and being ahead of the curve. And I say that if we don't do this, taxpayers are going to have enormous costs in addition to what Vanessa was saying in terms of obviously climate change and the impacts. But we're talking about direct costs um, related to the risk that some of our companies have to pay some money in terms of hiring a consultant to do due diligence, which I think is a very good investment as our state is trying to prepare our businesses for that new economy that literally goes into effect next year um, with the European Union. And just so you know, the U.S. Trade Office says that our exports are about 300,000 jobs. So a quarter of 300,000 jobs is a lot of jobs in New York at stake here. The other part is... Wait, how is how just, are jobs at stake here? Aren't we just talking about state procurement practices? We're not talking about economy-wide regulations, Well, right? because it, what it does is this bill includes a provision associated with um, trying to get the uh, businesses of the state prepared for supply chain transparency. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to work with businesses... Um, to get prepared for this new reality. We think the first step is looking at state contractors, but the point is that there's a provision in the bill with the Empire State um, Development uh, Corporation to support um, supply chain resource sharing with companies. And the other thing is is that, note, you know, we're, we don't have tropical forests, right? So, again, positioning our state as suppliers of sustainable products that – have gone through this process of looking at our own state will position our companies for growth. New York's economy will benefit from incentives that even if companies aren't selling their goods to the state directly, 
they will start to follow the rules that the state is normalizing for businesses in New York and beyond as supply chain management. Why is that good for New York businesses? Because other countries and entities like the European Union are, have either already implemented or are moving towards implementation of similar but much more wide-ranging bans on products associated with deforestation. So if $20 billion of New York's economy, a quarter of all exports, are all of a sudden unable to demonstrate their supply chains and don't have transparent supply chains, then they risk not being allowed into the European Union. That's where we say that New York businesses across the board can and will benefit from a gentle push towards focusing on making their supply chains not only transparent, but sustainable and deforestation free. It will open up or maintain access to critical markets. So given the scope of the problem you've identified, why are we talking about legislation that deals solely with state procurement? Why aren't we talking about legislation that deals specifically with the products that are purchased by 19 million potential consumers? Wouldn't that be what the stakes of this situation really requires? That's a great question. And we are working on our national movement in the United States to work with other states to adopt similar procurement as a first step. Again, as Vanessa was saying, you know, we think a transition and orderly one is the appropriate process. You know, the European Union, they spent years. You guys really love the European Union. I think they've been mentioned more than New York. York York. (laughs) (laughs) They did do years of stakeholder meetings Mm -hmm. and the we can benefit from that. And that's um, always being ahead of the curve and positioning our economy uh, is critical. But yeah, I think that the part is is that we are looking to replicate this model and start to, to work with and, and build education both within the business community and with consumers about the reality that it is does matter what products we're buying and that we ha- the impacts of those products on both our own environment and other people um, so that, you know, I think that that collectively is a, a, the right strategy. The European Union has decided to take a different one. Governor Hochul implemented something called Executive Order 22. It was her decision to announce that she wanted to green the procurement of the state's contracts um, and green New York State's procurement, meaning we want to be in line as a state with our climate goals as a state. We should buy things that contribute to our goals, reduce our emissions, reduce our bad behaviors, just as we are asking through the climate bill for companies and communities to do the same. Now, this is a market signal and a nudge to markets, but it's not regulating any business, which many businesses tend not to like. It's saying, if you wanna do business with us, here's what you have to do. But many companies are already doing this. We just don't realize it. Take Unilever, for example, which owns companies like Dove and many, many other bath products and ben food and Jerry's. products. They, uh, ben and Jerry's is a part of them, seventh generation. But many others that you don't think of in the same breath as uh, more environmentally savvy companies. They're doing this already. They have deforestation policies. And that means that the goods that you are buying at the store 
are already deforestation free. That's happening. And there isn't an undue increase in price to consumers. They just aren't advertising it in the same way because what we care about when we're getting products is usually what we like about the product or the price, not necessarily where it comes from. The idea is that this should and can be normal and should be easy for everybody to do the right thing. Finally, any exceptions written into this legislation? For example, if I'm the State Office of Parks and Recreation and Historic Preservation and I've got a contract to uh, restore some buildings and we've got to match the mahogany and unfortunately that wood is only available in some area where I'm not supposed to be getting it under this legislation, is there a carve out for stuff like that or other examples that we should be aware of? Yeah, there's a provision in the bill which is a tropical hardwood ban. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to 1991 when there was an effort to um, the use of tropical hardwoods. Unfortunately, there were loopholes. This bill closes them. Um, And in terms of ultimately, when we're talking about old growth forests, um, we really can't afford to lose our old growth forests in the Amazon and across uh, the tropics. Um, So the mahogany, there's not a lot of mahogany still coming into this country, but ultimately there's other new old growth trees that are coming in in terms of wood products. And this bill, in terms of state and local contractors, would say no. And I I think that's the right uh, decision. And this bill doesn't go into effect immediately. Those with contracts with the state that are multi-year contracts will only negotiate and be accountable for these regulations when they negotiate a renewal of their contract. So in terms of carve-outs, this isn't something that companies are expected to do overnight by any means. I will say, though, that rumor has it that there were some opponents to the bill um, among our legislators who were very upset that they would not be able to get new mahogany desks if there's didn't last much longer. I believe that is a sacrifice we all can agree is worth making. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. We've been speaking with Vanessa Fagens-Turner, Executive Director of Environmental Advocates NY. Thank you, Vanessa. Thanks so much, Dave. And we've also been hearing from Curtis Fisher, Northeast Regional Executive Director of the National Wildlife Federation. Thank you, Curtis. Thanks for having us and thanks for listening. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.